0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at ThriveCosmetics.com slash Thrive. That's ThriveCosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash Thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: Yo, what's good? It's your boy, 24K Golden, and I'm here with Rebel Radio having some uh, titillating conversation. We're having some titillating conversation this morning. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> what's up this is rebel radio what up what up this is dj newmark this is Peanut better wolf it's your boy it's okay keep checking out rebel radio rebel radio this is rebel radio Ooh. we're in the place right here ah. rebel radio is going down would
2: you say Rebel radio
1: oh wait let's do it again <laughs> rebel radio
2: What's up Rebels, welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels who are shaping our culture. We talk about how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm Josh Levine, and uh, man, I really like this guy 24K Golden. He's talented, he's smart, he knows who he is and what he's trying to do. He's got a vision for his brand. Um, we have some great conversations, uh, for any of you from the Bay, he's from San Francisco, like I am. So we, we dig into the, that a little bit about what's happening up there with music and culture. Um, and he's got one of my favorite stories. I I swear I've told the story to 10 people already about how he launched his, uh, his rap career at, at his college. I won't spoil it, but, um, really smart. Great stories coming up from 24K Golden after the EDM.com track of the week. That was Jan the 2nd with Roland, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And right now, let's talk to 24K Golden. I think they just had like cell
1: phone videos back then, Oh yeah, I'm glad they didn't. I'm
2: glad we, we snuck by. We snuck by a lot of shit without that.
1: Yeah, I feel like the world was like a lot more wild before people realized, like, damn, anything I do at any moment can be captured and potentially shared. You know, I wonder if that's... I,
2: I think that's really interesting. I mean, I've been reading about how there's a lot of... Um, yeah, I mean, things have kind of calmed down yeah. in certain ways. I, I know in the 80s, we were we were wild. We were getting away with everything we yeah. could. And, um, yeah, I wonder how much of that is is because everything is captured
1: yeah like if you think about it like 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 the the old wild west days and shit like that Uh you just like pull up to a a small town right rob a bank and then just dip off on your horse and like no one was gonna find you yeah (laughs) for
2: sure for sure i mean you even think about like you know i think about like the mafia how they would just they were uh, you know they were controlling the trucking, and they would just, just truck loads of stuff would disappear. Yeah, and like you can't do that now because they could track everything. Yeah, you know they can technology barcodes. Yeah, for sure that, you can
1: put trackers on everything and know where it is. Yeah, right, it's crazy. My grandma told me uh, this story about my grandpa. So during the Prohibition, like to make extra money, he would do just like side jobs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my mom's side of family from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, so they had him like drive a just drive a truck from Pittsburgh to New York or some shit like that and they were gonna pay him like 300 bucks which was like mad bread back then and he was like right, bet and he opened up the truck and there were watermelons in the back so he's like okay cool you know and he drives to New York and when he drops off the, the truckload, he sees him take off like the top layer of watermelons and there's just like a shitload of alcohol there <laughs> that they were just like gonna be running in like the little yeah. underground speakeasies yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. He's like, damn, I didn't even know, like I just committed yeah. a like fucking federal crime. For
2: sure. But yeah, I mean stuff like that I'm sure happen all the time. Yeah. That's crazy. Um so I so I I low where you went to high school, so you have to take a test and get accepted. Yeah. And so I took the test, and I got accepted. And then all my friends were going to mission. And so I was like, I, I'm not going to that nerd school. Oh, yeah. So I didn't. I went to McIntyre instead. Yeah. And uh, it definitely is a moment that changed my life. I, I don't know how, but I'm sure it would have been different if I had went to Lowell. Um, so you, that's good. You made the right choice.
1: Yeah, just like I, I was like the only one of my real friends from middle school that went to Lowell. But yeah. it's just like. My parents really, like, from an early age, they, they kind of instilled a mindset where it's like, all right, you got to do what's best for you, you know? Sure. Like, if yeah. your friends are really your friends, they're going to be your friends regardless right. of what high school you go to. You live in the same city, you know? So it all worked out in
2: Well, it's funny, because I, so I did that because I wanted to go... I wanted to be with all my friends. Yeah. They all end up going to a different school than me anyway. Yeah. And so, it, you know... It was just stupidity, <laughs> but, you know, but that's how it is. Everything
1: happens for a reason. That's right. we got here, exactly. one way or another. Now we
2: do. <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate you making time to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I've been digging the music and and uh, just the whole vibe, the videos and and all that. Thank you. It's good. Um, so let's talk about it. I w- how did you get started? Tell me about. Um, do you remember the first record you ever bought? Mm.
1: The first record I ever bought, like. I was, like, always the like I, I, the kid that was, like, giving money to, like, the homeless people and stuff like that. And and whenever people would, like, be trying to, like, sell their CDs, like, on the sidewalk, I'd be like, all right, fuck it, I'll buy it. Right? So I think the first record I bought was probably, like, uh, when we were, me and my family were visiting L.A. and just, like, walking up and down Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And there was a dude, I'm trying to remember his name, I think it was, like, P Styles or Style and P or something okay. like that. Some 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 name with a P in it. Right. But he he was just like it's a personality, you know. He he got us on the hook and we bought like two CDs for like yeah. thirty bucks or something like that. But he was actually pretty slapper.
2: That's funny. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny. Some of those dudes are like they're such good salespeople. Like yeah. They, they just have charisma on the street, right? Yeah. And I wonder how many of those people have actually kind of made a career with
1: music. I feel like the music doesn't even have to be that good right. because all you're selling them is a the personality. For sure. And, and because it's CDs, no one's going to be like, oh yeah, let me just bust out my Walkman and listen right now see if this shit is good. It's more like, all right, I'm going to talk to you for 10 minutes, get 10 bucks out yeah, of you, yeah, yeah. and then move it on to the next person. For sure. Because so, if you're selling like, if you're printing up the CDs for $3 each and you're selling them for 10, you sell 100, that's 700 bucks right there. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to have to pay taxes on that. Right.
2: Yeah, well, for sure. You're supposed to, but... <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's an interesting business. I mean, I remember I remember kind of first seeing that and just thinking, you know, yeah, somebody can make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. Um, and then what about, like, what was the music that
1: you got into first as a kid? Um... Like, I distinctly remember my mom putting me on to uh, Kanye West. Mm-hmm. What's the song? Is it us have a toast for the douchebags. That one. <laughs> okay. And just, we were in the car, like, she was playing it off her iPad. I was like, yo, this shit is, like, something I've never heard before. I was probably yeah. 9 or 10 years old. And, like, it was always, it was always, my family was always, like, very musical. Because mm-hmm. my mom, she used to do choir. And okay. they, they had traveled all around the world. So they got, like, a real global perspective of music. Yeah. And, like singing me to sleep and stuff like that. So music was always a part of my life. But I, I think Kanye was definitely the first artist that I was really a big, big fan of. And how would you get started rapping? So freshman year, I would just be hanging out. Uh, yeah, let's, let's start there. Freshman okay. year, I would just be hanging out with my friends. And uh, we, we kind of, you know, like all high school kids, everybody got a phase where they just start freestyling. Sure. Yo, throwing a beat. Playboy Cardi type beat, you know, mm-hmm. Joy Badass type beat, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we would just do that all the time. And they told me, like, yo, you're actually pretty good at this. So that kind of planted the seed in my mind. Nice. And then, um, uh, are you familiar with Paperboy? Yeah. Yeah, so Paperboy, his store, Dream Team SF, which mm-hmm. is like the sneaker boutique. I've been going there since I was 13 because it was okay. like three blocks away from my house. And I was a huge sneakerhead. So we just started building that relationship. And he had a studio above the store. So, I knew that I was capable of making good music, and he saw the potential in me, too. So, he was like, yo, just come up to the studio. He wrote my first record for me, mm. uh, recorded it, and mixed it, dropped it on SoundCloud that night, texted all my wow. friends. Yeah. And then, when I went to Lowell the next day, everyone was like, yo, bro, this shit is fucking sick. Even though, like, looking back now, you always kind of hate your first record. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can't even find it online anymore. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. But, it was just like a snowball effect. and. Yeah. Each song that I put out made me want to get better at it. And sure. the better I got, more people liked it. And then now we're here.
2: How, um, I mean, that's so interesting to get that feedback like instantly. Yeah. Um, how, how important is that, do you think, to get, you know, like a lot of people, especially I think if you're older, um, you know, people like work on their music for a long time before anybody hears it. Yeah. And so that first song is usually your 25th song or whatever. Yeah. Um, how important do you think that was for you to have that immediate reaction? I never even
1: thought about that before. Mm. Because, like, a lot of people, they'll, they'll tell me, oh, yeah, I'm making music. I'm like, all right, well, what songs do you have out? They're like, right. oh, I don't have any out yet. I'm like, right. well, if you're making music but you don't have any songs out, that means nobody really knows you're making music and there's no chance of you succeeding. You know, sure. like, I think that it's better to put out. Five bad records mm-hmm. and then a good record, mm. then just nothing at all, and then your first record being just like an okay record because there's it's it's the process, you know, you can't be proficient or excellent at something the first time you do it. Like Lil Nas X, for example, yeah. I found Old Town Road like pretty early on to mm-hmm. to to what it from being what it is now. Mm-hmm. And like I went, this is when he had his other original songs on Spotify and shit too. Right, and, right, right. and I was listening to them, I was like. None of these are anywhere near as good right. as Old Town Road. Sure. But because they were there, you know, it shows, like, milestones and progress markers. And just being able to have people respond instantaneously through the internet and both in person, if you're promoting your music well, mm-hmm. is just so valuable. Because it's it's like constructive criticism, you yeah. know? You can't let your ego get in the way and be like, oh, they don't like it, fuck them. because. Sure that's the people that's going to be that you want to listen to your music you right, know right right yeah so that's just my thought on it
2: yeah i agree and, and i also think you know you need that um you need that encouragement like yeah. you said it made you want to keep getting better yeah right it's funny you know if you look back at um the really you know the, the the icons the classic artists you know the stevie wonder yeah george clinton um you know i know i'm talking about different eras but um you know michael jackson prince their biggest record was never the first record yeah it was always third fourth fifth album you two right rolling stones all those it's, it's always that third fourth or fifth album that like really like the first ones that do well but it's that other one that pushes them over the top yeah and i think there's something about that that if you then there's all the other people that had that one big song That was like their first song and then they could never do it again. Yeah.
1: I I think my generation really has like a problem with patience. Sure. Just because we get everything instantly or practically instantly nowadays without really having to put out that much effort. Like, oh, you want some food? Postmates. Mm -hmm. You need to go somewhere? uber Mm -hmm. like bird whatever you 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 feeling bad about yourself you post a little thotty pic on instagram a little thirst trap and then you get a bunch of validation and instant gratification so like people would rather have that one hit that just blows up than a career like that's why when i see like some of my contemporaries like yb and corday talking about oh i don't care about first week album sales like Mm -hmm. i care about Longevity. I care about building a fan base. Like those are the type of people that are gonna be successful and make a career out of it.
2: So how do you think about that? Like do you catch yourself in that kind of loop of instant
1: gratification? Yeah and what do you do? I mean like everybody likes to be everyone likes what they want and wants it now, you know. So there of course there are times where like like I use like to the technology to benefit myself and it it is instant gratification but i'm not really reliant on it you know like i can i can post a picture on instagram and everyone could like no one could like it and and i still be fine with my day you know Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day like this right now like this moment is all we have this is real life and i just try to have as great of a possible time in the now that i can
2: yeah that's so. um so you, you talked about the sneaker shop, and I know I know sneakers is uh, is big for you. Yeah, we got the Bape Ugg collabs on right now. Fresh, straight from Japan. That's sick. I haven't seen those. It's dope. Thank you. Um, I don't fuck with Uggs, but like those are like the, <laughs>
1: the, I don't really fuck with Uggs either. I've been either. giving my
2: wife shit about Uggs for like ten years.
1: Well, I, I heard someone say like the fur on the inside of the Uggs like keeps your feet cool and also keeps it warm. I can't imagine.
2: I don't, know. I don't know. They look hot, but those are dope. if you own a business and you don't take care of your business, you won't have a business. I know um, a lot of you are entrepreneurs, creatives, uh, people building your companies, just like I am. And you know, if you're like me, you you struggle to keep up with it all. There's always some things. Falling through the cracks, um, you know you're trying to get to the stuff that you love and and is most important to you, but you got to take care of your your administration, your contracts, your invoices, your client communications, all that stuff. Uh, so HoneyBook is a great online business management tool that organizes all of those communications in one place. It makes it simple to run your business better. It comes with templates, uh, automation to kind of keep all that stuff on track so that you can focus on the things that you want to be doing. It integrates with your other services, QuickBooks, Google, MailChimp, whatever you use, HoneyBook might use it too. Uh, It's a great choice for business management, for freelancers, business owners, lets you save time and do more of the part that you love. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off with your first year. Use the promo code REBEL. Payment's flexible and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to HoneyBook.com, use the promo code REBEL for 50% off your first year. That's HoneyBook.com, promo code REBEL. How, how'd you get into sneakers? Like, wh- where the, Where'd it come from?
1: It was just like being. And that was before music for you. Yeah, sneakers. Okay. Sneakers was my passion before music. Like, okay. I I was I was big into the whole reselling thing. Like, mm-hmm. I would say 2012 to 2016, seventeen. So that's like eBay. Yeah, so it was yeah. eBay, Facebook groups. like right. There was like Bay Area sneakerhead groups, like San mm-hmm. Francisco sneakerhead groups, all on Facebook. So I would. I started off really just because I wanted to wear nice shoes. I would yeah. see other kids having nice shoes, and my parents weren't going to spend eighty. They weren't even going to spend eighty dollars on the shoes. And Jordans sure. were hitting for one twenty right back yeah. then. I was rocking the Ross shits and the Converse's for the mad longest. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, if I want these, I'm gonna have to get them myself. So I would buy um, like you shoes, mm-hmm. clean them up, and then flip them on those groups. Take the cash, and then keep keep reinvesting, reinvesting until I had enough to buy what I wanted for myself too. And did somebody put you up on game or you just figured that out on your own? Really, initially, it was just me kind of figuring it out on my yeah. own, which looking back now is kind of crazy because now it's it's mainstream culture, you know? Oh, this thing is hype. We could resell it. We could For put sure. it on Grailed. But back then, no one really was doing that, like, right. my age.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. Um, do you remember, your, like, the first big cop or or the ones you flipped or whatever?
1: Yeah, I think, like... Some of the most like legendary sneakers I owned. I had Galaxy foam posits. I've had the Easy ones, mm-hmm. Easy Twos, like at least one model of all the all the original uh the seven fifty Yeezys and the three fifty, the Kanye ones. Mm-hmm. Big Kanye fan. Mm-hmm. Uh Raging Bull Fives, like Space Jams. There's just I, I really respect uh, Nike and Jordan especially for being able to create a whole culture yeah. out of a product because yeah. like People aren't just buying the shoe; they're buying into a culture, For a sure. movement, yeah. and that's like the best way to sell anything.
2: It's funny. I mean, I talk with with brand people about that all the time because, um, so you know, I was I was into sneakers as a kid. All we ever wore was Chucks. Yeah, and uh, and then you know when then you started to see. So I know this is an ancient history, but like you know, you started to see the uh, suede Pumas, mm, yeah, and shell toes. Like popping up, yeah. And then for me, like the first pair that I bought that was over like fifty dollars was Nike Legends. Which ones were those? <clears throat> you can't find them. They were out for like two years, and then Air Force Ones kind of replaced them. Uh-huh. And then Jordans came out. You know, I think a year or two later. Yeah. But um, but I remember then sixty dollars for sneakers was crazy. Right. Because I think Chucks were twelve. Uh, you get Chucks for twelve dollars. I'm pretty sure. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah um i mean it was a whole different like yeah chucks were 12 i think dickies were 25 or 30 like the dickies pants yeah and so pants was,
1: were more than shoes
2: yeah but like that was your whole outfit was like 50 dollars for and then a you know t-shirt or whatever that was a little hanes that joint? Was every, yeah that was gilded so like a hundred dollars from head to toe you're good you yeah. know And um,
1: And was that, like, the freshest outfit of the time, the Dickies, the Chucks, and the, like, white tee or whatever? It's just
2: what everybody wore. Mm. You know, it wasn't like, um, we didn't have this type of fashion consciousness that we did today. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember, I'll tell you a good San Francisco story. So I was 14, and I go into, uh, in Union Square, I go into the Louis Vuitton store. Yeah. And the lady is, like, snooty. It's like one of those movies <laughs> where you're, like, you don't belong there. Yeah. And so she's looking at me snotty, and I'm like, um, i like to try on your jacket. And she looks at me like, we don't have jackets. Yeah. And I was like, no, there's a guy at my school that has your jacket. You know, and I thought she was, like, messing with me or whatever, because I'm sure I couldn't have afforded the jacket anyway, yeah. right? But, you know, I didn't know that. She didn't know. So... Anyway, it turned out it was, like, this drug dealer kid that had a fake Louis jacket made. <laughs> I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. Right? But but that was the only time I'd ever seen the Louis Vuitton brand, mm. you know, was some, some dude. Or, um, you know, guys used to put uh, on the back of their cars, right? Like, like you could put a little leather over oh, the lights. yeah. And so, anyway, but besides that, I never... I never heard of that.
1: Was it like one of them like Dapper Dan, like Louis V print all over yep. type of jackets? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those shit's but
2: wild. we didn't know back then, you know, we didn't have internet or Instagram to tell us what it was. So you just, you know, you only knew what you saw.
1: That's crazy. Like you're, you're just to think like your whole, your whole view of the world was just limited by wherever you decided to like spawn into the world. Well, not sure. even decided. Yeah. You just kind of pop up somewhere and it's like, all right, this is it.
2: That's it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I consider myself lucky to grow up in San Francisco where, you know, we were exposed to a lot of things yeah. that, you know, we, we got hip-hop much earlier than the rest of the country or the rest yeah. of the world, for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy how it's changed now. But my point was, like, Nike picked up on that. Nike, you know, there were these cats right here on Melrose, Sporty L.A., yeah. and a couple of others that were putting the Gucci and the uh, Louis leather onto Air Force Ones, yeah. right? And you know reselling them and then you know nike saw that happening and then they started kind of investing in in the re-releases and then adidas followed and all that but um but that was them paying attention to their customers yeah and not not trying to kind of control it yeah but kind of following following what what people are doing in the streets
1: yeah i think like that's so like essential for for anyone that's like just trying to do a brand like people you can't just push whatever you want onto people you got to like put something out and then listen and then respond to that
2: so how do you do that in your own
1: business i would say like it's all just just like constantly monitoring and and listening both like digitally and in person Mm -hmm. i'll play my music for like a random kid that knows nothing about the music industry doesn't know no pretty much nothing about the music industry just because it's like you're my target demographic you're sure. a 19 year old kid in college from colorado or whatever like right. i want you to listen to my music like, yeah. so it's just 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 seeing what other people listening to people not letting your ego getting in the way mm-hmm. but also you know even if you don't agree with somebody that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that if someone doesn't agree with you that doesn't mean that you're wrong like at the end of the day you always got to listen to yourself for sure but you got to take in consideration the the people that you want to target
2: so do you think about that, like, um, what feedback to uh, ignore yeah. or to, like, you know, like what to use or what not to use?
1: Mm. So it's, like, anything that's, like, like hateful or just, like, on some hater shit, it's, like, you're not providing feedback. You're just hating. So right. sure. that's out the door immediately. <laughs> Anyone that's, like, yo, I like this song more than this song, that's... Mm-hmm. that's uh, I pay attention to that because I try to create like a different vibe on each song. I don't want any two of my songs to sound alike. Mm-hmm. So by by seeing what people's preferences over songs are, it kind of lets me like see what what direction to kind of keep it moving forward. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not the same sounding song, it's like in the song make my song sound in the direction of that mm-hmm. song that other people prefer.
2: Okay, interesting. Um. I don't know if I would hear the Bay influence coming through your music. Yeah, is that
1: well? It's like the Bay. The Bay sound is like you think about it like all right. There was a hyphy shit, and then there was kind of like the backpack wave type mm-hmm. shit, and now we're on that new like sob. But then there's also dudes like like Boovy who are kind of making a combination kind of sound of the Bay and. What's popular mainstream, right? And I would say that the Bay influences me not necessarily like with how my music sounds, but like the type of energy and the things I talk about, like Valentino, Bond, like Sharif, mm-hmm. Time for that. Those are all super high energy records bay area music like that hyphy shit back in the day was just so high energy i feel like that kind of translates across. okay yeah
2: interesting are you um do you talk to those like you know the kind of established players in the bay
1: not really that much because it's just like i'm out here in la now and i yeah. feel like most of the people that are established and popping in the bay are in the bay mm-hmm. and it's like If I see them, you know, we'll chop it up or talk on Instagram or something like that. But it's just, I'm not really, I'm not really looking to be a part of a scene. I want to create my own, my own thing.
2: Yeah. What do you want to create?
1: My own, I want to create my own world. Uh Basically everything from the clothes you wear to how you interact with people to the music you listen to, the films you watch, the food you eat. Like there's so much out there in the world that, that just to, to limit yourself to only doing things a certain way, mm-hmm. you're you're not even really living life.
2: That's dope. Yeah. So do you think about that, like, beyond music, like, what does is, what is your brand look like? Or what do you, you know, obviously a lot of people, you know, if we think about the Bay, you know, Forty um, has created a whole industry of products that he's selling. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously, there's a lot of that.
1: Yeah, I would say like 40 is like definitely a role model to me in the same way that Akon, mm-hmm. Jay Z, P Diddy, Master P R. You know, mm-hmm. they were able to take a music career and turn it into a platform to 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 change the world. Essentially, I mean, even if it's just selling products, their their lifestyle is inspiring people, and mm-hmm. and they inspire me. You know, like it makes me want to, it makes me, it makes me realize that there's more to this than just the music. Like the music is what drives everything, Mm -hmm. but it's not the end all be all. And from after, you know, you can't be like the most poppin rapper when you're 50 years old. So, so I know that eventually, you know, my time in the limelight is gonna, is gonna not be, it's gonna, it's not gonna be, my shine isn't gonna be as bright as it was before. Mm -hmm. But in the music world but i can take what i built for myself and use that to to branch out from there you know do alcohol furniture media clothing all that stuff
2: yeah um i'm wondering if you get like do you see like the that older generation like you know are they are they giving you advice are there people like you know are they do you see that kind of knowledge being handed down to like next generation
1: Hmm. i mean i definitely do have older mentors like paperboy Mm -hmm. da uh stretch my manager a couple other ones i just can't think of right now my parents you know but it's like in terms of like jay-z and p diddy and akon like i don't really see them like mentoring youth or, or anything like that which which i understand it's like when you're when you're at that level it's harder to have individual change just because, you know, your time is so valuable to dedicate so much of it to just one person rather than when you could just do you and be kind of like a beacon Mm -hmm. and inspire multiple people on an individual level. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. But I also feel like
2: what what those guys went through is very different than what you're experiencing. I mean, I'm sure there's lessons you can take from them, Yeah. but it's also, you know, it's just such a different world, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like... Like even five years ago everything has changed from it is from yeah. how it is now. Yeah,
2: for sure. For sure.
1: So so it's it's uncharted territory that we're kinda going into, but I think there are like principal lessons that you can learn from those people. It might not be specific stuff, but mm-hmm. like in terms of like the attitude and the work ethic and right, the right, right. the mindset, that's what made them successful in their times. And if you, you can take that same mindset and apply it with the with the specific strategies that are relevant to now. Yeah you're not going to lose.
2: So talk about work, work ethic. You have a, uh, you're going to college, going to USC.
1: Yeah, so I'm on leave of absence right now. Okay. But last year, I got a full scholarship to USC for business. Amazing. And then I did the whole first year. Well, I did first semester as like a full-time student. Mm-hmm. And then right before the semester ended, that's when I signed with Columbia and Records. So second semester, I tried to do the full-time student thing again. But it was just like, too much, you know, you can't, you so can't. So you're like in, in the studio and in classes. And then, yeah, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go to class, work on homework. And then I got a studio session tonight. I'll get back at midnight, hang out with my friends for like two hours and then mm-hmm. do it all over again. And it just became where there was like, it was just too much on my plate. I couldn't handle it. Not like sure. I was getting sick and shit like that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to drop all my classes except for one. Because you need to take at least one class to keep living okay. at, the, at the school and yeah, eating yeah. at the school. And I was going for free. So I was like, all right, I'll just <laughs> ride this out with one class sure. and then I get to live here for free. So yeah. that was like uh, um, learning about international commerce. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's a, it's a once a week class, like an hour and a half, two hours. And at the end of the class, you get to go visit the country that you learned about. Oh, wow. So I got to go to Japan nice. for free again. I got... A tattoo on a school trip. <laughs> so it was like a great experience. Yeah. How was Japan? Japan is crazy, bro. Like, yeah. they're living in the future. <laughs> you walk into the bathroom, the toilet, just goes... Oh, yeah. Pops up. Like love that. Like, the, the, everyone there is so polite and respectful. Like, we went to this Kobe beef restaurant, and uh-huh. when we finished eating, the chef that cooked us our food came out. Followed us to the elevator and bowed yeah. until the doors closed. Yeah, like, yeah. it's a whole nother world. I had
2: that experience in a, in a, like a Seven Eleven store. Right, like the lady came out from behind the counter, brought me my gum or whatever <laughs> it was.
1: Like it's crazy. They they're doing it differently over there, but it's like I think travel is mad valuable just yeah. because like you can see that the world is is able to operate in a completely different way than you're used to.
2: Man, that's for sure. I do my favorite. Tokyo, uh, story is I went, I was at undefeated yeah and we had, we had our, our baby with us at the time. And so he was in the stroller
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and we had been shopping all day. And so, uh, there was no room to take that, you know, take the stroller in the store. And my buddy who lives there was like, just leave it out front
1: with the baby in it.
2: No, we took the baby, (laughs) but all the packages. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, man, I can't you know, I can't just leave this here. And he's like, no one's going to take your shit. Mm. And I was like, dude, okay. Yeah. Like, let's try it, you know. And we were in there for probably 10 minutes, came out, all our stuff was just sitting there. You do like, that in, like, New York. You do it like anywhere, man. Yeah. It was, you know, that would not happen, you know, in, in, on Rodeo Drive, right? Yeah. Like, somebody would just walk dude, off of it. We
1: got some free shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. It's just so different, man. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, I agree. It's like, It's eye-opening to just see how other people live.
1: And then I also went to Tanzania this summer, which is like the complete opposite, you know? Yeah. It's way less developed, way more rural. Yeah. But the people there, they're happy too. How'd that happen? Um, So a scholarship I got was through the Jackie Robinson Foundation Mm. to go to college. Yeah. And after the the first year, uh, that summer in between freshman and sophomore year, they take all the scholars in that class to, uh, to Tanzania for two weeks to do like a service trip. Amazing. And that was just that was a completely different experience, too. Like I, bet. I was showering out of like a bucket that you pull on like, oh, you got to use a bathroom. It's just a hole that's been digged on the ground with like a toilet oh, seat yeah, on top yeah, of it. Sure. And like, but the kids, they were happy, you know, mm-hmm. like there's kids running around with with no socks and shoes, like just falling down and getting back up again and just laughing it off. You know, right. versus like in America. A kid falls down while they're playing all the moms rush up like oh my god are you okay sweetie but nah they're chilling out there in tanzania
2: how does all that affect the music you make
1: it makes me like more i think more conscious of like what i want to say in my music Mm -hmm. just because like seeing seeing how different people live all around the world it's like, all right, I want to make music that everybody can listen to. I want to make music that you can listen to in Argentina, right. you can listen to in Kentucky, yeah. you can listen to in Dubai, and in like Europe, London, everything. So it's like, the things that you talk about need to be things, at least in my opinion, need to be things that everybody can relate to, or, or at least most people can relate to. Because I think, especially in hip-hop, a lot of people get so so boxed in, you know? Sure. Like, if you're, if, you, if you're in Chicago and you're making drill music, that's not going to apply to a lot of people outside right. of Chicago that right. are on that scene, you know? Yeah. So.
2: It's interesting you say that because I think, you know, where hip-hop, especially if we're talking about hip-hop, like, where that comes from was really people rapping about their daily, you know, their neighborhood, Compton, or what's happening yeah. the, in the Bronx or whatever. But, you know, what, what we learned is that the whole world can relate to that whether it's you know poverty or just youth or police brutality or whatever those things are like everybody in the world is experiencing their own version of that. Yeah. But yeah, I think at the same time you can go too far into that and you know Drill is a good example where it doesn't really sound right out of context. Yeah. Right? Like like in that scene or or within that that culture it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And then you know, you take it out of that and it it just sounds weird.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's like the drill hits though, like the Chief sure. Keith, I don't like yeah, yeah, Finita. Yeah. And like that it's crazy to me how that's that's basically like like that small little niche niche intended is intended for a niche market Mm -hmm. but it was able to just kind of expand beyond that sure and i feel like hip-hop is the new pop and if you're making pop music that's like super like indie alternative you know it's it's harder for that to go mainstream than if you're making like more pop that's like relatable so it's like all right how can you make the most fun vibrant hip-hop that everyone's gonna want to sing and dance to yeah yeah big respect to chief keith though
2: (laughs) um so you got that song about sc
1: yeah bitch i go to usc
2: yeah i love it uh you're kind of making fun of the school a little bit a little bit and then so (laughs) what was um what happened after you put that out
1: so we put out the song well this is the whole story of the song okay there was this uh one of my friends jordan usher he used to play basketball for usc and he put that song out and then the coach was like nah you ain't gonna do that so it was starting to blow up. Oh, it was, oh, it was his song. Yeah, it was okay. his song originally, and it was starting to blow up. Yeah. And then the coach made him take it down. So I was like, damn, that was a good song. People really liked that. Could I remix it? And this was after he had left SC to go uh, play for, I think it was Georgia State or something like mm-hmm. that, in Atlanta. And he was like, yeah, it's good. Uh, just don't, like, <laughs> don't put my name on it. So sorry, Jordan, now you're <laughs> <He> exposed. But... <laughs> but uh he was like, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to take the other two rappers that are popping at USC, too, Pure Luxury and Yasin, mm-hmm. um, and we'll all get on a song together, and we can make an anthem. And I just, I knew it was one of those songs that could be played just as much 20 years from now as it is now. Like, For sure. Bitch, I go to USC, USC, USC. By by creating, by attaching it to, to an institution mm-hmm. that is bigger than myself, like, for that sure. just gives it so much more longevity. Yeah. It's like yeah, that,
2: they'll be playing that forever.
1: Forever. Yeah. yeah. So then after that, uh, the school wasn't very happy. And they sent sure. me a letter. They did? Yeah, they sent a letter. But you know, I think I got it all handled. So we'll, okay. we'll, yeah, I'm not worried about that right now. Um. And what about the
2: kids on campus? Like, does that change your your profile on campus?
1: I mean, as soon as I got to USC, I made it known what I do and who I was. Yeah. Because when I got to USC, like I I was I was like I was buzzing, but mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily at like the same level of like exposure that I am now. Maybe yeah. I maybe had like twenty K followers on Instagram or something yeah. like that. So I got these little stickers. I might have one in my backpack. Let me see. You're good. I just don't want to knock that out. I had these little stickers. Nope, there's none in my backpack. All right. But I had these stickers that basically said, this ugly son of a bitch is respecting super hot chicks. How? Listen to, listen, like, here. And then it was my SoundCloud, like, and it was a picture of my face. And it was based off those, like, little pop-up porn (laughs) ads that you see. Okay. So it's like, it's like, Everyone kind of knows what it is, and it's familiar, yeah. and like it, it's very distinctive, but it's also funny, too, tongue-in-the-cheek humor. Yeah. So I printed up maybe a couple thousand of those stickers, and I was slapping them up everywhere. So there was already a kind of awareness, and, and when I made Bitch, I Go to USC, it just took it to the next level. Like, every party, people would play it. Every tailgate, sure. people would play it. Yeah. And and that really allowed me to just have, like, the whole USC community on my side and on my team rooting for me. Because yeah, sure. I'm putting on for them, so they're going to put on for me. Yeah.
2: You play shows on campus and stuff?
1: Yeah. I was at, yeah. like, a tailgate uh, nice. last Saturday. And, like, just seeing everybody bitch, i go to USC, oh, USC, sure. USC. It's a great feeling.
2: I bet. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, So what's the plan right now? So you're on leave of absence, mm-hmm. and then what?
1: So I just dropped my song, Games on Your Phone, mm-hmm. and that's going up crazy right now. It's like my best like first week, like first two weeks numbers that I've ever had before, yeah. so I'm really excited about that. But also what's kind of crazy, man, is like, you know how, like, people say, like, oh, songs just randomly blow up? I was never a believer in that. I was always like, all right, well, there's some, like, there's always behind-the-scenes shit going on. But I'm experiencing right now Valentino is going crazy. like mm-hmm. And I released it seven months ago yeah. because this girl on TikTok, Aviva Sofia, oh, yeah. she made, like, a little dance video to it. Doing like little like e-girl cutesy like type anime type shit. Uh-huh. And and her TikTok started blowing up. So she made Valentino part of the brand because that was Oh wow. Part of her brand because yeah. that was like the song and the video they got her started like the the ball started rolling. Yeah. So now like Valentino is trending on TikTok. Last week there was like twelve thousand videos on TikTok. Now there's fifty something thousand videos and like you can check right now on Apple Music. It's like the top trending one. And mm-hmm. it's been like that for a week. And every day I wake up, I'm like, like, this is like actually happening. Like I'm I'm trending on Apple Music. And I feel like like I'm just like a regular person still, just doing doing my thing. Sure. But it's kinda getting to that point where like shit is starting to to really start to bubble up. So I'm excited about that. And I'm going on tour for the first time too with Landing Cube. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. That'll be good how I feel about you I just like the fact that I can keep it real around you all these ups and downs like I lost and found you can't believe I'm standing here still without you when you up at night
2: do you think it's like you, you talk about like stuff happening randomly you know I think it's both right it's like I mean you clearly have a plan yeah and there are certain things that you can control and certain things you can't control, right? And um, and so, yeah, it's like when something like that happens, some of that is random and some of it isn't, Yeah. right? Like it's, how can I say it? Like uh, you put yourself in a position for that to happen by yeah. making that song or by, yeah. you know, all the other stuff you've done that maybe allowed that girl to discover that mm. song and whatever, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's not a straight line, but yet it still exists. Yeah. You know?
1: It's like, I was just talking to my roommate with, about this the other night. It's like, you just do something and then the world reacts. Yeah. And, or responds rather. Like, sure. It, which is just kind of a crazy concept to me because... It's
2: kind of like that Nike thing you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like, they didn't know, when they made Air Force Ones, they didn't know that people were going to be customizing them 20 years later. Yeah. You know?
1: They was like, all right, this is a good shoe, let's put it out. They didn't even realize how great of a shoe it was. Of course. But it's like like it was completely out of their control. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like they're like, yo, customize these shoes and then right. everyone else is gonna think they're cool and I think when you try to too.
2: manufacture that, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The best things like happen naturally, organically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like look at the Popeye's chicken sandwich shit. <laughs> like that it, it was crazy. Bro, people were waiting in line for hours. Yeah. Stores were selling out like that. I didn't even have one yet. Right. I have never eaten a Popeye's chicken sandwich and I'm pissed off because <laughs> I wanted one so bad. But they didn't do a viral marketing campaign for that. They just made a good sandwich. Yeah. That's it. it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's true. Like you try to control too much and it doesn't happen, right? Like I always think, you know, when you see that, when you see those collabs. Like in music, that mm-hmm. is just like, it just feels too obvious. It feels like, you know, you don't, you just know that person's hot. Yeah. You don't really mess with them. Mm-hmm. But somebody looked down the charts and was like, we got to just grab this person.
1: Yeah. That's like classic label move. Then it doesn't work. Labels are like the biggest cloud chasers out there. Yeah. I mean, they They just want, like, oh, they're hot right now. Let's get them on the track and we'll make a bunch of money. Right. And it's like, yeah. It can it can work, it might. but it's not necessarily going to work. Right. You can get some of the hottest people together, and it's just not might not make a good song. They might not vibe with each other. Yeah. Their sounds might not interact with each other well. And I think like the best way to to succeed and have longevity is just do shit as naturally as possible. Mm-hmm. Work with people that you like working with.
2: So uh, talk about that. So you're signed to records. Mm-hmm. Um, how does how, how do things change? How does your process change being with them versus when you're unsigned?
1: I'm definitely like glad that I signed just because I understand that your first record deal is not going to be your best record deal. You mm-hmm. know, There are things that you have to, to give up and sacrifice in exchange to for, for what they do for you because basically my platform now is so much greater than it was before yeah. and a lot of things that I've done, I wouldn't have been able to do without their help. So they definitely are doing their job and a couple things that like i thought going into it that i didn't realize um i thought once you sign your record deal you could just get like whatever artist you want on a feature they'll just do it But it's like oh these artists have like huge feature prices if they're signed just because like yeah like like a boogie's like 100k or some shit like that if you your label has to pay a boogie's label 100k if you want a boogie on the song which is, like, different if you're an indep- independent artist. They'll be selling verses for, like, uh, 3000 bucks, 4000 bucks, 5000 yeah. bucks, which is way, way more affordable. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, like, in terms of, like, everyday stuff, I have a lot more sessions after mm-hmm. signing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to, like, promote my stuff a lot better. They have the connections to get me on the platforms that I need to be. Sure. And it's just nice to have a team around you, other people providing fresh ideas yeah. and other people that are able to, to work for you when you can't work for yourself. That's so. Yeah.
2: That's a great way to put it because I think a lot of people have, you know, like you said, you, you don't understand, you don't know what it is until you've done it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think a lot of artists, it's tempting to just think that everything's going to happen for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or there's a, um, or like you said, you know, they're going to bring, they're going to bring ideas you don't like. Yeah. And I think that's part of the process too, right? Yeah.
1: I think, like, a lot of people think, like, oh, once you sign the record deal, like, that's it. You made it. You don't have to do anything anymore. yeah. yeah. But really, signing the record deal is the beginning of your story. Uh, 100%. Everything before that is the prelude. Like, that was all, you know, getting you up to this point where now you're in the big leagues. And I think it's something like only, like, 10% of signed artists, like, are actually making money. For sure. Because, like... It's such a competitive market out there. Everyone thinks they can make music because everyone literally can make music. All you have to do is download GarageBand, right. rip a beat off uh, of the internet, and you can record into like the shitty Apple mic headphones, yeah. Apple headphones mic that you like come with your phone. Definitely. So, so it's just like you can't stop working for yourself just because somebody else is working for you. Mm-hmm. So many people get signed to a record deal and they just get shelved and because Course. there's other priorities, you know. So, one thing that I really like about where I signed with Records is that I'm the only artist that's doing stuff like like what I am. Like there's no other artist like me that's also signed to that label. Nice. So f- so I get prioritized mm-hmm. in in the hip hop kind of melodic hip hop ev- well, just the music I make in general. They like, sure. they they're going to they're gonna put more energy and love and attention on my shit.
2: That's dope. Um, what do you miss about the Bay?
1: I miss my mom's cooking. (laughs) I miss uh, El Feralito. Oh, yeah. Fuck, bro. I thought there was going to be, like, I thought the Mexican food in L.A. was going to be better than the Mexican food in the Bay. So, it's
2: funny, man. You can't, you can't get burritos here. Nah. And you would think, I mean, I've been, I've been, my mom lived here. I've been coming here for, you know, my whole life. Yeah. You can't get a good burrito in L.A.
1: No. it's The tacos are good. The tacos are good. The tacos are great. Yeah. But the burritos, you got to go to the bay for that shit. For sure. Um, I definitely miss, like, nature.
2: Mm.
1: L.A. is so industrial. San Francisco, like... What
2: else? Because you live down by the city. Yeah,
1: downtown. But even, like, in the main city, there's not, like, just as many random parks and shit like that. Right. In San Francisco, there's, like, every neighborhood has yeah, a little yeah. park or a garden or something sure. like that you can sure. go to. And whereas in LA, it's like more spread apart, and like the only nature is if you go out of the main city or a couple like oases within the city.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you get? Um, do you get? Uh, you know, there's there's this weird rivalry between the Bay and LA. Yeah. Um, which I to me feels like it's more coming from up north. <laughs>
1: uh, like, does anybody? Do people care about that when you go back? Hell no. Nah. Nah. It's like people in the Bay in LA like instantly connect. It's like, oh, you're from the Bay? Oh, I'm from the Bay right. too. All right, back, I fuck with you For because sure. it's like, all right, we got that, that same. The re- if you're from the Bay and you leave the Bay to come to LA, that says something about your mindset. Mm-hmm. That you're able to like understand like the roots and the culture and the and like the general good natureness of the Bay Area. But you're thinking bigger than just the Bay Area, and you realize that LA is. Is a tool and an environment where you can thrive more than you would just in the bay so like when people it's like oh you're probably going to be like a good person if you're from the bay and you're right. out in la doing this thing that's funny
2: yeah that's definitely a evolved perspective i think i remember even when too short moved to atlanta mm. like there was a little bit of of oakland was kind of mad at him uh it's like the raiders right yeah. when they, when they the come Miami. down here and back and forth it's like that's still your people, but you're kind of mad that they that they left or yeah. whatever.
1: Well, like, LeBron, when he did, people were burning his jerseys sure. and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, as long as no one's burning my jerseys, I'll be cool. <laughs> Even if there's some people that are burning my jersey, I'll probably still be cool. I mean, at least they care. Yeah, right? You know? Right? They're still probably going to listen and just be like, damn, this shit sucks. But you listen, though, right? <laughs> exactly.
2: That's so funny. Um, I got to ask you some... Uh, I gotta ask you some uh, lightning round questions. All right, let's do it before we go. The lightning
1: round. What do they call that on Family Feud, where it's like at oh, the end? Shit. What is that?
2: What's the- I don't know. We need a we need a oh, Family Jeopardy. Feud uh, music.
1: Dun, dun, dun. No, that's uh, that's Jeopardy. <laughs> that's Jeopardy. Yeah, Family Feud's probably be? more like intense music. Dun, dun, dun,
2: dun. Is it Steve Harvey now? Hmm.
1: Steve Harvey. I can't with Steve Harvey. He was the one that, like, fucked up the award, right, didn't he? Did he? He was giving someone an award. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was, like, for Miss World or Miss USA or some shit like that. Oh, shit. And then he, like, read it. And I was like, oh, oh, my bad, my bad. And, like, they had to, like, the girl came out oh, and everything damn. to get it. And they're like, ah, actually, it was the other girl. Ugh. Come sucks. on, Steve.
2: <laughs> I mean, that, that sucks. I can't imagine how you, terrible you'd feel, though. Yeah. You know?
1: I mean, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, for sure. As long as you, like, apologize to the girl, like, genuinely, she was probably cool with it.
2: No, she's still mad. (laughs) Um, What's your favorite city to travel to?
1: Chicago. Okay. Yeah, I love Chicago. Dope. Everything about it, like, the food is good. What do you do out there? The girls are great. Um, The clubs are fire, too. Like, it's more like... I feel like when people go out in Chicago, they have more fun. Okay. Where in L.A., people go out to, like, flex and, like, yeah, posture sure. and shit like that, you know?
2: Yeah, Chicago's, like, it's still got that Midwest.
1: Yeah. Wholesomeness.
2: Yeah, a little bit.
1: <laughs> for
2: sure. Who's your favorite DJ? Damn. Jasu. Jasu.
1: Okay. Jasu. Yeah. Nice. I'm
2: going to check him out. What's the last great book you read?
1: um how to win friends and influence people in the digital age which is like a misleading title because it sounds really manipulative right Uh but you win friends by creating genuine authentic human connections and influencing people is just how to make a positive powerful impact that's Mm -hmm. like meaningful too, you know so it's just like all it's like a mindset book you know Mm -hmm. how what's what's the what's the best way to to interact with people so that your messages comes across and your intent is clear but you know you're not you're not going about it the wrong way
2: that's dope i haven't read it i'm gonna check it out Yeah, it's
1: a good book and because it's like in the digital age it's like it's like set in like the the context of a place where where you you can say one thing and a million people will see it in a day so i think it's just like real valuable for people to know for the time that we're living in
2: okay what movie have you seen the most in your life
1: what movie oh dude when i was like a little kid i would watch the same movies over and yeah, over yeah. again and the two that I remember watching the most was James and the Giant Peach. Okay. Where it, like, starts off with the real people and then it goes into the animation. Oh, okay. And the original uh, Willy Wonka uh, yeah. and the Chocolate... Char- Willy Wonka? Uh-huh. Chocolate, chocolate Factory. Chocolate Factory. Charlie yeah. and the Chocolate Factory, something
2: like that. Yeah, that's dope. Um, you ever wake up with a song playing in your head yes. and you just can't get it out of your head? Yeah. What's the one this morning or the last one you remember?
1: So I made this song yesterday oh. called Mama. Okay. And then it's just... It's, Said it with a whisper. I'ma take my time, but that don't mean you play it with mine. That's just how it starts. So, that's just, it starts I mean, that's
2: with cool it. if it's your own song. Yeah. yeah. For me, is um, I, I write them down. Ah. Uh-huh. I'ma see what was the last one. It's not. They're usually not something I like. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they are, but like sometimes it's like, oh man, I do not want to hear that song, but I can't stop.
1: Some Katy Perry. Love from no, your uh, oh, <laughs> this
2: was yesterday. It was Lost in Love, New Edition. Oh, I don't think I've heard that. It's it's a dope song. It's a little... New Edition's a little, like, simpy. Mm. But, well, you, maybe you, know, you were in your feelings. You they're know, still classic. Had an
1: emotional dream. <laughs> I guess so. Woke up like, damn. I fuck <laughs> <talking laughs> with Bobby
2: Brown, man, I can't lie. Facts. Um,
1: Every little
2: step I take. Yeah, step for step sure. On. Yeah. Um, my son got really into my prerogative. Mm. When he was like seven years old, <laughs> for some reason I'm like, you don't know what the song is about. We're gonna leave. You don't it even at know that. what prerogative no, means. <laughs> no idea. But he loved it. I don't know why. Um, I think it's the bassline. Mm. Uh, what's something everybody does that's totally normal that bothers you anyway?
1: Something that everybody does that's like totally normal, like a pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that's a much better way of. <laughs>
1: better. <laughs> I don't know, bro. It's like, for me, it's like, if there's something that that I don't like that you do, I'm probably going to speak on it. Okay. Or I'm just like not going to care at all. Like, if you're not, if it doesn't affect me, like, so like, some people are like, oh, hey, when people like wear polo shirts and flip the collar up. Like, I don't give a fuck wear your shirt however you want to wear your shirt. Yeah. Just don't take my polo shirt and flip the collar up and we'll be cool.
2: <laughs> nice. So if I, uh, on that note, if I worked for you, yeah. what's something
1: I would hear you say every day? It be like that sometimes Uh because that that is the most true statement of all time, because anything be like that sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. yo, dude, I just got my girl pregnant. It be like that sometimes (laughs) like that shit happens. Yo, my Postmates driver ate my French fries. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> it was like some statistic, like 60 or 70% of DoorDash like drivers admitted to Is that right? eating the food. Yeah. Oh, shit. So it's like, if you know that going in, though, it's like, all right, whatever. You can have some French fries. I'll probably a, do the same thing.
2: That's a cool job, then. Yeah. I didn't think of that.
1: <laughs> Free food. You right? save a lot of money. <laughs> that's amazing.
2: I had no idea. I'm going to keep an eye on that next time. Yeah,
1: right? That's so funny. Yo, know, she was heavier last time. <laughs>
2: yo thanks for doing this man it's yeah. so much fun talking My with pleasure. You. um how's everybody find you
1: um you can find me on instagram all music platforms i just got on tiktok okay. tell the youth to tap in with me it's 24k g-o-l-d-n 24k golden and uh what's out what's coming out next uh, Games on your phone, just mm-hmm. released last week. The music video is coming out soon. I got this song working coming out uh, in I think next week or okay. a couple weeks. Um, that's gonna be in FIFA. Nice. So that's gonna be crazy. Like that's crazy to me. Like FIFA is global. Like they're gonna be kids in like Brazil yeah, playing sure. it. So I'm excited for them to hear that. And then come see me on tour with Landing Cube. We're all across America and a couple of dates in Canada.
2: Nice. Yeah, we're gonna come when you when you play LA. Yeah, fine. Nice. Well, dude, come back anytime, man. You want to promote it or whatever. Yeah, bet. Ba- Appreciate you.
1: Thank you. I really, no, this was fun. It was a good
2: conversation. It's great. Yo, that was 24K Golden on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you leave us comments, feedback, reviews, all that stuff. You can hit us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like. It's at Rebel Radio Net. Uh, Make sure you get over to YouTube and check out our episodes on video. And uh, most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.